It's Calgary's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hello, this is Bonnie LG coming to you today with Edmonton's podcast, a member of the Canada's Podcast Network, where we talk to the entrepreneurs who are making it happen here in the city of Edmonton, Alberta. So welcome to the show, Steve, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, well, let's jump right in. And why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about how you got started as a social entrepreneur and your journey that's kind of taken you to where you are today? Yeah, um, you know, <laughs> my journey of being a social entrepreneur, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't intended to be that. It wasn't something that I, that I thought I'd be doing. Um, you know, my journey was, I was an athlete. I was a bobsledder, which meant that my journey was usually like, running for five seconds and sitting for a minute, uh, wearing tights with three other dudes. Um, that was my, <laughs> my journey. Uh, and right at the end of my bobsled career, um, my sister and I, you know, I was living this life that a 10 year old kid in us would have just dreamt about and would have thought was amazing. And we wanted to do something about it. And I realized that going to the 2010 Olympics was probably my last chance to have a kind of voice as an athlete and have that kind of influence on kids or what I thought would be my last chance. And we wanted to just do something with it. I, I, our parents were teachers. My sister was getting her PhD in education and had been a teacher. Part of my degree was in education. And we just thought that we could do something more impactful than the school visits that, you know, I would do, that anybody would do. That would be, um, you know, that, that did or didn't make a difference. Or we would, I'd walk away and say, if one or two kids listened, it's worth my time. So it really st- it started off from just wanting to solve a problem that we saw. We wanted the kids to see their more than just two and a half weeks of glory on television. I wanted uh, to talk to kids in schools about more than just health and fitness. Um, and I saw an opportunity to share my journey and the technology was there. And I was a, I was a tech geek uh, and Classroom Champions is rooted in scaled mentorship, which is, which is virtual and, and um, being able to, to solve some big problems from, uh, from not being able to have enough role models in communities to helping teachers talk about things. So yeah, my path started not from wanting to be an entrepreneur, but rather just wanting to, to do something that would make a difference right at the end of my, my sport career. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about Classroom Champions and what the organization is about? Let's see, I guess before I jump too far into down that road, I should mention that. So uh, Classroom Champions is an international education and mentorship organization that works across the U.S. and Canada. Uh, and we partner athletes and uh, elite athletes, whether they be Olympians or Paralympians or NCAA athletes or pro athletes with schools and classrooms um, for year-long mentorship and uh, curriculum and content. So we also provide what's called social-emotional learning, SEL, in the schools, um, which is a, a new way for schools to look at how they're addressing um, soft skills, basically, um, goal-setting ability, perseverance, empathy, self-regulation, um, which are really the, the, the key factors for kids to succeed in school. And Classroom Champions support schools in 34 states and every province and territory uh, to do that. And this year alone, we'll reach over 10 million kids. Wow. That's amazing, actually. Um, and I know that y- you are a North American organization, but you're headquartered in Calgary. And our podcast is really about what what it's like to do business in Calgary. So can you tell us a little bit about why you ended up setting up your headquarters in Calgary? Yeah. So we, um, no, it, it's a good question. I mean, Calgary's home. Calgary's um, being an American, uh, 
I've been in Calgary now for the better part of 17 years. Um, my wife is from Strathmore, uh, and our the registered charity, the organization is a is a nonprofit and charity, a, a registered charity in Canada, 501c3 in the U.S. Uh, we just operate together, um, which is a whole another set of circumstances when you're talking about trying to build a business. But uh, you know, being Calgary for us. Um, Proves, um, proves advantageous in a few different ways. One is that with the dollar exchange right now, um, most of our income or majority of our income is coming in in US dollars, but we're spending a lot of it on staff that are supporting the US organization. So in Canadian dollars, so there's a dollar exchange advantage that we have um, from a personnel standpoint, having, um, you know, having uh, healthcare <laughs> provided here. So that's more of a Canadian advantage than an Alberta advantage. Um, but also being also being here, we're also talking about a town that is, you know, not only philanthropic but entrepreneurial. So as we're trying to grow an organization from that's really bringing a concept of scaled mentorship from zero to one, uh, there is nobody who does something that does the things that we do that's changing the way that people who are doing big things interact with schools and the way that uh, an organization kind of can get behind that and support teachers and schools to implement those things that actually make, you know, measured differences in schools, whether it be attendance or behavior. Uh, you know, Alberta has this, uh, this entrepreneurial spirit to it that there are so many people around here who either want to help out in the communities in Calgary or Alberta and Western Canada. Um, and they work with us to do that, whether that be in, you know, North of Fort St. John or, uh, you know, or, you know, right here in Northeast Calgary. Um, but also, I have no lack of mentors for myself of people who have started businesses from zero to one. Um, so those are, you know, those are a few things that, you know, I look at of why we've decided to plant our roots here. And, and speaking of mentors, um, is there a piece of advice that you've received over the years that's really stuck with you or maybe some coaching that's really helped you as you've, you've um, set up and, and run classroom champions? Yeah, I mean, some, yes. Um, you know, I've gotten some of the classic advice from, you know, one of our largest uh, sponsors, um, you know, somebody who built, built a company from zero to, to hundreds of thousands of barrels a day, um, you know, who early on in my, early on in, uh, in our building of staff, you know, gave what is now like to me classic advice of, you know, hire smart people um, and put them around you. I like, I do and don't subscribe, um, to those theories. I mean, I also think that, you know, it's okay to, it's okay to know what you're talking about. It's okay to, to, um, you know, it's also okay as a leader to, um, to know what you're doing, um, and not just have to surround yourself by smart people. Um, which was, you know, also advice that I've gotten from a mentor that I have now, which is, you know, given what gives, gives leaders a little bit more permission as well to not kind of just say, Oh, you know, I don't do anything. I don't know anything. Um, I just surround myself with smart people and, and they get it done. And you hear that a lot. Um, and I think it's also actually pretty self-defeating. And, you know, a mentor of mine um, from out east, a guy named John Berardi, who started in, uh, you know, recently you know, started Precision Nutrition and was one of our nutritionists back in the day. Um, he's got a great new book out called Changemakers um, or Changemaker Academy. Uh, he, you know, he's really been somebody who, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and you're going through ups and downs uh, and you go through, um, whether they be mental health struggles or whether you're going through, you know, people challenges, it's really nice to have some people around you who have been there before, um, mm -hmm. who've had those problems and had those challenges and had to figure it out. So you don't have to necessarily reinvent the wheel every time. Right, right. And I'm curious, what have you taken from your, your history as, and knowledge as a professional athlete mm -hmm. into an 
what you're doing now as an entrepreneur, like what have you been able to bring forward from that time in life? I, you know, it's hit and miss. Um, there are plenty of parallels in sport. Uh, you know, you see athletes go and talk to business leaders all the time. I think there are a lot of parallels in sport and there are a lot of things that just straight don't work. Um, some of the things that do work for me are like, we, you know, we used to look at in the wind tunnel, we would look at, you know, one inch differences or half an inch differences in where our shoulders are positioned for, for drag um, and what that would mean for us going down the hill, going 150 kilometers an hour and, you know, talking about Whistler where we won our gold medal, the fastest track in the world, and you're hitting 100 kilometers an hour by curve two. Um, <clears throat> so there's little differences. So finding ways um, to really pay attention to the details um, and, you know, whether you're a leader or whether you are, uh, you know, on the ground floor and getting the work done is, is, pay, is paying attention to those details is really important. Um, and that's something that from sport like was constant. Like I would wake up and having an extra egg or two meant an extra six or 12 grams of protein, which helped me recover that much more, which helped me, you know, finish the one more rep. And it's really hard when you're an athlete, when your goal is four years away. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a business leader, if you're building a business, you have to, you know, you have to have patience. You have to, you can't just look tomorrow and the next day you do have to address problems if you're hurt you have to address the problems if your business is about to go under you have to address that that today problem um, but hopefully you're not living in that space so you're actually able to plan out for us they called quads so four years out so as a business leader thinking being able to think if I have an injury today understanding that I have to address it but also understanding that there's a bigger context that I can't address it by doing something that's gonna hurt me four years down the road um, you know, on the, on the flip side, uh, you know, I think empathy in sport is maybe not necessarily an athlete's specialty or strong suit, but when you get in the working world and you're trying to, to motivate people who maybe aren't all on the same wavelength, you know, you as a business owner, you as an entrepreneur, no one cares more about your business than you. Mm -hmm. um, when you're on a bobsled team with four people, all four of you care equally about winning that gold medal. Um, and, you know, to expect the people around you to, to rise up to that level of, of caring uh, in your own business um, may or may not be realistic. Um, so I think you have to have more empathy for that. You, you have to be able to, to work with people and, and find ways for them to balance their lives a little bit. Um, you want them to enjoy it. You want them to work hard, but you also have to expect that maybe they won't, um, you know, hit some work at seven o'clock on a Saturday night. Right. Right, right. And so what advice would you give to somebody who's maybe thinking, you know, I really would like to do something meaningful with, with my life, but I do have this entrepreneurial spirit and, and interested in, in doing something similar to you where you found a blend to do both. Is there any advice that you could pass along? I mean, get after it. Like, I mean, I, I, you know, I left consulting. I was, you know, had a great job consulting after I was bobsledding and uh, you know, my day rate was, was what my monthly stipend used to be as an athlete. Um, it was fantastic. And I just woke up one day and realized that not what I wanted to do um, for the rest of my life. I, uh, you know, I was in the unique situation where at 31 years old, you know, the summer after we won our gold medal, I was sitting back in Buffalo with some of my friends that I grew up with. And one of the guys turned to me and said, you know, what's it feel like to, to you know, write the first line of your obituary at age 31? And that, that'll wake you up when you realize that the best thing you've ever done might be behind you at 31 years old, um, hopefully a third of the way into my life. And I just thought, you know, that's not going to be me. I don't want that to be me. So that's been a big motivator for me personally is find the motivation, 
Um, you know, for me, it was, I want to do something that would be so impactful that a gold medal would be second or third on my, you know, in my obituary of my life. And I wanted that for myself. I wanted that for the time, my future family. And now my, you know, my little girl, I want her to see that you can do something really, really big in one area. And then you can leave that area. You can go do something really, really big in another area. So I say to people that like, if you feel like you've accomplished some things that you want and you're ready for a change, uh, there are ways that you can do that. If you don't feel like you're in a position to accomplish something that you, the things that you want in life, um, I've you know never been happier and I've never felt more challenged. Um, most athletes leave their sporting career thinking that they're never going to have something that is that, that they're that passionate about. Um, and it causes depression. It causes malaise for, for much of their life or causes anger. And for me, I was able to have something that was, I would never, I would not trade that 10 year period of, my 20s disappearing, going down bobsled tracks, traveling the world and doing something that, um, you know, I never thought I could actually do uh, to then now having the opportunity to work with, you know, Olympians and Paralympians and NFL players and NHL, NHL players and NCAA student athletes and, and have them teach millions of kids how they've done it. So um, there's a, you know, a longer winded way of saying to people that um, you're not too far down a path uh, to not, to, to make a change and, and go out and start your own thing. And we are, we do live in a place where, where that's possible. And what are the parallels do you think between running a, a not-for-profit and like say more of a traditional business? Yeah. Um, you must see a lot of uh, similarities. There, there is, I, it's the same. I mean, I, I think um, I have this conversation quite often where a not-for-profit simply has two bottom lines. Mm-hmm. Um, a for-profit has one bottom line, the bottom line. Um, a for-profit or a non-profit has two bottom lines. And those, the, the first bottom line, uh, you know, bottom line one and bottom line, you know, one B are money. You have to have the money to do it and you, you have to have the impact. Uh, you have to make the impact because if you're not making the impact, you can't raise the resources to then be able to go make the impact. So it is this circular, um, you know, or back and forth line that goes between making impact, creating impact and value for people, um, whatever part of society you're working in and actually having the money to go do it. So um, I think that, you know, the CRA, the Canadian government has started to really open their eyes on that one. Uh, the the you know, overhead myth uh, within the nonprofit sector is starting to go away. I, I was shocked when I first got into the nonprofit world um, about the concept of of overhead and you know we look at costume champions to run lean and we look to be efficient with our resources but I also don't want that to drive our business case and I don't want that to drive our impact because um, I think we're better off and I think our kids are better off in our organization um, being in a place where um, you know this organization is investing in itself to reach more kids to get out there more to be able to attract more people to be a part of what we're doing. Um, so I think that in the nonprofit, nonprofit space where I've really been trying to push people is, is we have to, you have to invest in a business and entrepreneur entrepreneurs know that. Uh, and I think the, you know, CRA is getting on board with that. And I think, you know, society is getting on board with, with more and more of that where we have to operate um, in this space more like a business and invest in it. And so um, what is your vision for Classroom Champions? Where, where do you hope to take the organization over the next few years? We are just in the process ourselves of, uh, of expanding and pivoting in a way, the way that we do it. We've been a donor and fundraiser and sponsor-based organization for the better part of a decade now. 
Um, we've seen a wonderful opportunity, especially in the U.S. market, to to enter the market in a in a way that uh, allows us to to sell curriculum uh, and provide curriculum to schools that are now paying for it. You're seeing, you know, when we started 10 years ago in, in the U.S., there was one state that had legislation, you know, legislating and mandating social emotional learning, SEL in schools. Uh, in the U.S. now, you've got 17 states that do that, another 15 that operate, operate like that, and there's, there's legislation, there's dollars, so we're investing uh, in a new, we've just invested this year in a new platform that, we're going to be able to to automate a lot of what we do and the relationships that we that we connect athletes who are currently competing to kids and the content that we create. Um, so where I see us going now is you know first in the U.S. and then doing the same thing in Canada, um, offering really for us the barrier. We've had a wait list of schools and teachers for years. We've had a wait list of athletes in all kinds of genre of sport. Uh, who are waiting to do something like this because what we do is we provide them a way to connect and make a difference with kids that's measurable while not interrupting training and they can do it from wherever they are in the world. Um, so for Classroom Champions, we're going to be the place where athletes come to make a difference. We're going to be the place where schools come to actually, uh, you know, work with us to get curriculum into their schools that's going to help them change the culture and the fabric of, of what they're doing. Um, and that's what I'm so excited. I mean, organizations that are, that are doing this, you know, well, um, are 30 to $40 million a year, uh, nonprofits that are getting content into millions of, of, uh, you know, millions of kids hands. We're creating partnerships with the Canadian Olympic committee and Canadian Paralympic committee to do that in Canada. Uh, we have a big announcement coming up with them in the next, uh, on November 15th or 14th. Um, and an amazing ambassador, Canadian, Canadian athlete ambassador is going to be a part of that. Um, in the U.S., we're announcing a partnership in January with uh, with a major media outlet and a major education platform that's going to get our content in front of 10 million kids. So um, I'm excited for the opportunities those things are building. And, you know, within the entrepreneurship world, partnerships and doing things uh, across a space are really important, especially in today's world where people can get so many things so easily if you can serve everybody in that way. Uh, but also in the nonprofit sphere, um, you know, when somebody can come to us and donate to us and they can both impact First Nations youth, you know, in the city of Calgary, while at the same time uh, impacting kids in Camden, New Jersey, across the river from Philadelphia or, uh, you know, Yellowknife. And we can be a place that they can do that. Um, I'm really proud of what our team has built. Yeah, we have a lot to be excited about these days then. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're going to switch gears a bit, and I'd like to just ask you a few personal questions that help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. All right, let's do it. First one is circling back to Calgary. Do you have a favorite spot here in the city that you like to go when you just need to, like, maybe de-stress a bit or recharge your creative batteries? Where do you like to hang out? Um, yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I've got a two-year-old daughter right now. So for me, it is like, it's going to the zoo with her. It's going to the park with her. Because um, when I can sit back and watch, for those of you who have kids or, or have friends with kids and the energy a two, two and a half year old brings, um, can't help you realize that everything's going to be okay. So, um, you know, I've gotten to the zoo lately, which doesn't sound nearly as exciting as it, uh, you know, as what, you know, those favorite things used to be five years ago. But for now, that's, um, that's my favorite place to go. Well, and Calgary has an awesome zoo we do. We do. <laughs> with pandas, so it's awesome. 
Um, so tell me, uh, if you weren't doing what you do now for work, what do you think you would be doing as an, uh, an I'd be, I'd be coaching. Coaching. I'd be coaching. Yeah, I'd be coaching, whether it be bobsled or track, I'd be coaching for sure. And can you tell us about a favorite book that you're reading or one that you would recommend to our listeners? Yes. Um, I'm trying to think, what did I read recently? Um, um, I just read Ask by Ryan Levesque. It's a really great, um, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, it's a great book for the audience right now. Um, it's it talks about sales and talks about um, funnels and it talks about audience and, and how to take advantage of a digital world. Um, I really enjoyed that. Um, Art of Racing in the Rain is one of my favorites. Um, you know, I read it a little bit. I read, I'd read it before, well before the movie came out and then just reread it. I think that's a, it's a great, just like a separate, like a separate book, a fiction book that's, you know, out of work. Um, I think, and I've also, I've gotten into listening to books a lot lately too. So, um, I am a slow reader. That was always like a big barrier for me for reading a lot is I'm just a slow reader. Like my wife can read three times fast. We're looking at a computer screen. She is through the computer screen before I'm a third of the way through the page. Um, and that's what you get for, for marrying an academic. Um, but for me now I can listen and, you know, I'm tearing through books at two and a half times speed now. So, um, I get through another really great one is range by David Epstein. Mm -hmm. Um, that is probably my current favorite book right now. I've read it or listened to it two and a half times at this point. It uh, gets into how uh, the concept is <clears throat> how uh, generalists will triumph in a specialized world where the whole world is getting more and more specialized and you have to be, you have to be in such a small sliver to be successful. And it talks about how much, you know, how much more successful people are with a broader range of skills. Awesome. And what about podcasts? Do you have any that you are kind of your go-tos or... Yeah, Masters of Scale um, with Reed, who, uh, Reed Hoffman, who um, founded LinkedIn. Um, Masters of Scale is definitely, that's my, um, that's been my go-to for the last couple of years now, you know, trying to grow, trying to grow an organization. Um, I mean, in the early days, he's got, you know, Zuckerberg on there and he's got um, Reed Hastings from Netflix on there and he's, um, you know, going through uh, some really amazing people who have built some crazy, <laughs> some crazy things, whether they do products or others. So, yeah. And I'm sure being an, an athlete, you would have had a routine, but do you have like some non-negotiables either in the morning or at night before you kind of wind down for the day that are what you need to do to really keep yourself in the right, right mindset? Um, I, I don't have anything that I would call non-negotiable. Um, I don't believe in those. I believe if you have non-negotiables, you set your up, set yourself up for failure because like circumstances are going to change and you're going to get knocked off your game. And if you all of a sudden have a non-negotiable and you can't do it that morning um, because life happened, you know, you, you can't let it throw you. You can't let something like that throw you off your game for as an athlete. I learned that a long time ago. I mean, the Olympic race started at one o'clock. It didn't matter what happened from 7am until one. It started, it, the, the race was going at one. If I had a non-negotiable, well, no, I've got to do this, this and this until we race. I mean, that's not up to me. So <laughs> I have things I love to do. I like to do. I like to wake up early, go downstairs, you know, press some coffee. Um, I'm a big, like, I'm a coffee snob now at this point. We're off, our office is in Bow Valley Square, thanks to Oxford. And we, we're, you know, we got monogram over here. We've got analog over here. We've got, you know, DeVille over here. But in the morning, I like to, you know, go through the, like, ritual of, 
you know, grinding the beans, getting the coffee going, have some greens, um, sit at my computer for 30 to 45 minutes and get some work done um, between like five and five 45 and then go downstairs to the gym and work out for an hour. Um, and then, and then get going with my day. Um, so that's my, my preference is to, to be able to do something like that in the morning. Yeah. And, um, what's your favorite place in the world to visit? Do you have like a favorite vacation spot or? Um, yeah, Munich, Munich, Germany. Um, you know, I learned to speak German when I was a bobsledder, uh, when you're locked up in hotel rooms for five months with the guys on tour, like, and half that time is spent in German speaking countries. I like the concept of being able to like, just walk out and go get coffee. And, uh, you know, we spent two weeks in Munich before, uh, in between the first half and second half of season during the Olympic year, going into Vancouver and like, I, you know, not many times in my life have been happier than happier than that. And I've gone back with my wife and, um, and just love like my favorite little restaurant antics or Amdam, which is a block and a half off Marion Potts, which is this big square in the middle of Munich. Um, and it's just my favorite restaurant in the world, this German style, dramatic style, low ceilings across from a church um, kind of place. Awesome. Sounds like a place to put on the, the messy list. Oh, it's, you know, if we, as Class of Champions grows, and one of our goals is, is to be global and the system that we have and the way that we interact with athletes, you know, we presented to the International Olympic Committee in Lausanne and we solve problems for whether they be professional teams like one of our partnerships with the Buffalo Bills or whether they be for Olympic committees, um, you know, like Team Canada or in the U.S., um, you know, we solve, we solve the problem of engaging currently competing people, whether they be Olympians or other athletes. Um, and, you know, to me, a big responsibility to that is making sure that we grow this thing so that more kids across the country or more kids across the world get access to the knowledge that these people have to be successful. And we're not teaching kids sport. We're not teaching kids how to bobsled, but being able to give them access to what it means to achieve a goal, what it means to persevere um, doing it in a demonstrable way. So hopefully one day I, we can set up an office in Munich and we can spend a few years over there doing that. That'd be awesome. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up, I have a hypothetical question that we ask all of our guests in every city that we have a podcast. So I want you to imagine that there is this small, beautiful tropical island pretty much in the middle of nowhere. And we are going to drop you off there. And there is no technology. You can't bring your iPhone or anything like that. Um, but when you're ready to leave, you can just, um, there is one payphone, and you can give us a call. And we'll come pick you up. So curious to know how long you think you would last and what you would do while you're there. Is there food here? Yeah, you can assume that the basics are taking yeah, I'm, I'm getting food or Uber Eats or pizza. Like, what are you talking <laughs> There's no Uber Eats, but there'll be some healthy tropical food for you. Oh, I could last forever there. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I mean, do I have, is my, is my family with me? Well, no. By myself. You're by yourself, yes. Oh, so I have to leave a little curly-haired girl. Yes. Oh, back, I mean... I, I would last as long as I think that it wouldn't like developmentally delay her, um, which I mean, she may be better off without me there. So who knows <laughs> if I, t if, you know, I think if there was no family there, I could last, I, I could, you know, I could go as long as I need to. I feel like I like, I'm very content with the things I've accomplished in life and I'm very full um, and fulfilled by those things. So I, I don't necessarily live my life thinking I need to accomplish more. I, I live my life thinking I want to accomplish more. I, 
I, I would have been perfectly happy with to bring it back at the beginning. I would have been perfectly happy with the first line of my obituary to be won an Olympic gold medal and was the best in the world at something. That would have been great. I just, you know, that would have been fine, but I wanted more and I want, more. so, um, you know, I think let's call it a month, uh, a month. And I think, you know, Brett would probably be, uh, you know, happy enough to see me by the time I got home at that point. Yeah. And you know what, that's a lot longer than most of the people we ask. So <laughs> that's great. Well, not yeah. for survivor. <laughs> um, so before we go, Steve, do you have anything else that you'd like to either say or kind of pass along to our, our listening audience? You know, I, I'm excited for what Classroom Champions has coming. Um, I think keep an eye out for Classroom Champions this spring, um, late winter spring. Um, I am positive that there will be something for, for most people out there, whether they have families or kids or they're an educator or they're a company that it's looking to do big things. Like we want to, uh, you know, we want to get together and, and find some really great partners to do stuff and, and help us do the things that are coming down the line. So, um, no, nothing else to add other than keep an eye out for Classroom Champions coming up. And uh, for everybody out there listening, who's grinding away, who is, it is hard, it is hard work being an entrepreneur, it's hard work. Um, it is, um, you know, it's not a task that anybody takes lightly. It is your heart, it is your soul, it is, um, you know, it is your excitement, it is your depression, it is your financial gain, it is your financial ruin, all at the same time, all within one day sometimes. Um, so, uh, you know, I thank you guys for, for putting something on that, you know, can help, help entrepreneurs connect with each other and help us find, um, find inspiration, in what other people are doing and find empathy in what other people are doing. So, um, you know, keep up the great work and, uh, thank you so much. And I'm like so honored and, and humbled to be, to be invited on, onto something like this. Well, thank you. And why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you online and they can connect with you, they can follow you. What are the best ways to, to find yeah. you? I mean, at Steve Messler on Twitter. Um, it's probably a really great way. Uh, and then classroomchampions.org. Um, so at Steve, S-T-E-V-E-M-E-S-L-E-R on Twitter and classroomchampions.org um, for the organization. Awesome. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being our guest today. It was really fun to talk to you, and I'm sure that our listeners learned a lot from you. Great to chat about social entrepreneurship and Olympic gold medals and everything else that we covered today. So thank you so much for being on the show. And running around with guys in tights, too. So. <laughs> That's the headline. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Bye. Hey there, it's Bonnie Elchi. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to Calgary's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters. And if you have a minute, please write a review for us on iTunes. You can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Canada's Podcast. And make sure you check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country 